Today we'll be, in, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 5, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret. Your Father shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of. Whatever your need is this morning, he knows what that need is. Physically, spiritually, whatever it is, whatsoever you have need of before ye ask him. Then after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to gather in this place. We thank you for loving us, for giving your Son to put away our sin. And what a blessed hope we have. There are many in this world who are without hope. And we pray, Lord, you'd see fit to open their eyes. Be with Brother Marvin, where he's at this morning. Bless him as he stands to preach and be with those people that gather there. I pray you'd minister to their hearts. Help us today, Lord, to hear from you. Forgive us of our many sins. And we beg this in your name. Amen. We began last week. I entitled it the, more, the Model Prayer, and this would just be the Model Prayer Part 2. We looked at our Father, which art in heaven. He speaks a lot here about our Father and the relationship we have as his children. Because we've been made his children by grace, he chose us, set his love upon us. We have the right to be able to come to him and pray. He knows what we have need of before we even ask. And our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Everything that we ask for should be for God's glory and for his honor. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name. It's not just where two or three gathered together. A lot of people gather together and call it meeting and call it worshiping. But where two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, I promised I'll be in the midst. And his name is to be glorified in everything we do, whether it's uh, preaching a message, leading a song, singing a song, our prayers, everything we do should be for his honor and for his glory. And today we'll be looking at verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth, not on earth, but in earth as it is 
in heaven. As I said last week, this prayer could be broken down into two parts. The three first have to deal with God, with our Father, holy is his name, and then thy kingdom come. And the last ones, the last four, has to deal with our relationship with each other and with fellow man. First thing we do, we say, give. Give us this day. And then what the next thing? Forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our Father is in heaven. He's above us, and holy is his name. First of all, thy kingdom come. It's his kingdom. It's his kingdom. And back in chapter 5, there in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As I thought about it, you know, it speaks a lot of times about the kingdom of heaven, and it speaks about the kingdom of God. And what I found out, some believe that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are referring to different things. It is clear that both phrases are referring to the same thing. The phrase kingdom of God occurs 68 times in 10 different New Testament books, while the kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times in one book, the book of Matthew. Why is that? You know why Matthew's written? What is the purpose, what is the theme of the book of Matthew? That Christ is the king. What's Mark's? He's the, he's the rightful servant. What's Luke? What's the theme of Luke? He's the perfect man. That's why Luke, as a physician, as a doctor, gives more account of his birth. What's John's purpose? Shows that he's God. He's the son of God, the eternal God. He sets forth more of his deity. But I thought that was interesting. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Thy kingdom come. It is his kingdom. I know maybe some of you watched some of that that went on yesterday on TV. Well, I think it's what's the first time they coronated king in 70 years, and they made a real big deal out of it, what I could imagine. It was a lot of pomp, and someone said a lot of superstition and, and all these different things. They're just little, just little grasshoppers. But our God's king. He rules. Overall, things be like, oh, I think I'll just march in and sing, see King Charles. No, you don't. You know how we approach our God, our Father? We come as his children. We come as his, his servants. This is his kingdom. This kingdom, like our God, there is no end. Queen Elizabeth, when she died, that was the end of her reign. Our Lord, our King, will never die. He died once to put away sin. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever 
and ever. The Jews, when they were praying, and all the heathens and the hypocrites, they were not concerned with his kingdom. They were concerned with their kingdom. And they were only concerned with a physical king. They were only concerned one time. They wanted to come by force and make our Lord king. They wanted to set up. They wanted to, I guess, have what David had. We want to repeat that. We want us a king. Here he was. The king. Look at his lineage. He is of the house and lineage of David. Both Mary and Joseph are their house and lineage of David because God said, I'm going to raise me up a house. He, his son's going to sit upon the throne. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? He says, I'm going to sit my king. He did upon the holy hill of Zion. He earned the right to be king. Behold, your king comes, how? Riding upon a donkey. That's the king, that's the king. He's coming to give his life to those in his kingdom. Yeah, the heathen rage and they imagine a vain thing. He said, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He said, ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, for therefore, O you kings. You listen, O you kings, O the you that think you rule. Serve, O you kings and you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Embrace the sun. Don't kiss the sun like Judas did. Judas kissed the son of God and went to hell. Kiss the sun. Lest he, they sh- kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. You don't have to be like King Charles. Men think they're king. Natural man, he thinks he, he, he thinks he rules his own destiny. He thinks he controls things. No, he doesn't. There's only one king. And he's king of kings, and he's lord of lords. The Jews said one day, we have no king but Caesar. Paul said, is this your king? No, this is not our king. They said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. Christ came. They are looking for, some were looking for the king. Thy kingdom come. He come as the king. He come to sit upon the throne of David. He come to rule and reign over all things, and he does. He bought all man. Now, I know he redeemed and paid the sin debt of his people, but he redeemed all men. He has the authority over all men to give eternal life to whom he will. Some things about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist came preaching. Just showed up on the scene one day. Prophesied in the last book of Malachi, 400 years before the New Testament. 
And here comes a man that God raised up. And you know what he said? Repent before it calls the kingdom of God is at hand. It's in him. Not, this is where people miss. It's not in a, an outward show. It's not a bunch of pageantry. It's, it's, we're going to see in a minute, it, the kingdom of God comes without observation. You imagine being born there in Bethlehem is king. How many people knew it? Well, a few shepherds did. Then later on, he was maybe a couple years old. Three magi know that he's king. We've come to see him that is king of the Jews. That's what they said. Well, where's he at? The star led him to where he was at. They said, we know where the king's to be born. They knew the scriptures. He's to be born in Bethlehem. And that's where he was at. You know, Herod, he thinks he's king. He said, when you go worship him, bring me word so I can go worship him. He didn't want to worship him. You know, he wanted to kill him. In Luke 17, verse 20, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, you, you imagine these self-righteous hypocrites demanding something of our Lord. They demanded when the kingdom of God should come. When's it coming? He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they see, say, Lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Did you ever think about that? Where does Christ reign now? Now, I know he sits at the right hand of the Father, but he is everywhere. But when he conquered you, he set up his throne in your heart, and now he reigns. The kingdom of God is within you. Can you imagine what they thought? What's he talking about? The kingdom of God is within you. All the Jews, including the Pharisees, were looking for the coming of the kingdom of God. They were looking for the promise, they were looking for the promised Messiah. And to establish his kingdom on earth, making them rulers, making them rulers. That's the only reason they want him to be king. They're going to rule with him. You know, even the disciples had a little problem with this. They said, when you set up your kingdom, they even bring their mama. You know, it carries a little more influence if you have mama to ask for you. You know, can we sit one on the right hand and one on the left in your kingdom? They still think it. Why? Because they've probably been taught this for years. The Messiah's coming, and he is coming. They had rights to believe he was coming. He had told them he was coming. But they didn't know him when he did come. They were looking for the promised Messiah to come and establish his kingdom. And they came one day. And wanted to take him by force and make him king. But here's what they never saw. To reign, he must suffer. He must die. Not my will, but thine be done. Like I said, he, he earned it. He earned the right. He's chosen to be king, but he earned the right. He sit down on the right hand of the throne of God. He reigns. He's not... Some little impotent king. No, he's king. He don't ask permission. He's king. He's king. 
And it's he even uses lost men. He even used Pilate. He wrote over top of his head, this is why this man is being crucified. This is the Jesus, the king of the Jews. They said, oh, no, don't write that. They said, right, he said he was king of the Jews. He said, what I've written, I've written. What does this mean, the kingdom of God cometh without observation? It means it is not like any other earthly kingdom. It's without observation. It's not some pomp and pageantry. It's like when God saves a sinner. It's a mystery. Something happens within in their, their life. Now somebody else reigns. Now you will eventually see the effects of it, but you can't. You know, you see people and they have a little interest in the things of God. And, you know, it's like those people calling Marvin. You know, they're showing a little interest and, and you're hopeful. But we look, we look, we do. This is how we are. We want to look for something and see something. He said it comes without observation. He sets up his throne. It cannot be observed by the eye. By looking for signs or setting dates. Or looking for the fulfillment of prophecies. See, they don't think he's ever come. So they're looking to all these prophecies. He gave them a prophecy. He told them about John the Baptist that would come. That's a prophecy. He told that he would be born where he would be born. That's a prophecy. He'd be born to see to the woman. He'd be born of a virgin. Why didn't they see those signs? They didn't want to see them. Men only see what they want to see. God cannot be observed by these means because the kingdom of earth, kingdom of heaven, it's not carnal. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It doesn't come with pomp and pageantry. It doesn't come with an outward show of any kind. Like I made me a note like it was yesterday. That's all it was. Well, it's just a show. I wonder how much that, I wonder how much money they wasted on that. I wonder how much money. What was that stone they brought in there the other day? They brought it in from a couple hundred miles away. I wonder what that cost them, you know. I know piece of rock, but they thought that rock had some significance, you know. Christ is our rock. When you see him, there's no beauty that you're going to desire him, but when you see him, he, you that have never seen him, you love him. Because he's glorious. He's king. The kingdom of God does not come in such a way that men can observe it. God's kingdom is a kingdom not that one can see, and the only way he can see it is he must be born again. Our Lord told Nicodemus, and he was a teacher. He was probably a teacher of preachers. Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. It comes with, they can't see it. It's, they can't even observe it. <clears throat> but those who have eyes to see, see. That Samaritan woman saw. You know who she saw? You know who he was? He's the Christ. You know who the Christ is? The Messiah. Who is the Messiah? The anointed one. 
She saw him. And she went back into town and she told these men, there's a man sitting out here beside Jacob's well and he's the Messiah. And they said, I don't believe it. They didn't observe, they didn't even know he was out there. And you know what? She said, why don't you just come and see? And then they believed and they saw. Saw what? Not just a Jewish man. They saw him as the Messiah. That's how you see him. Nicodemus was standing in his presence and couldn't see him. He could see but not see. Except a man be born again, he can't even see it. And it's not seeing an it. It's seeing him. Because then he said in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Apart from grace, you can't even enter into what I'm saying. Can't enter. Enter. It comes by the new birth. You know, this was their king standing before him. We all had a hand in it, and we all cried, crucify him, crucify him. You know what we said? This is what we everyone said. We will not have this man to reign over us. Anybody but this man. Not this man. Apart from... God giving someone the new birth, he can't discern anything about the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a mystery to him. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because it's foolishness to him. Except those who are taught of God, they have the mind of Christ. Where does he rule? He rules in glory. He rules in the hearts of his people. And he rules in his church. There's only one authority, and that's him. He rules. He's the head over all things. <clears throat> we worship our king not with visual things. We don't need stained glass windows. We don't need mourner's benches. We don't need somebody come in swinging a thing that they call censor. We don't come in wearing a crown and everybody bowing. We don't. That's how religion, that's how, that's how the hypocrites, that's how the heathen, why do the heathen do it that way? How they always did it. <clears throat> and you think about this, all the things in the Old Testament, all those pictures, like David being king, they're just a picture of the king that was come. David was chosen among his brethren. From all those eight brothers, David was chosen. Christ was chosen. Raised up to be king. It's an inward kingdom. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom is not an outward, it's not in outward things. An inward king. Righteousness, this is not. They call that righteousness. They call that uh, Archbishop of Canterbury and all those things. They say he's holy. Let me tell you, that man wearing that thing on top of his head looks like a fish head. He, that is the most unholy thing there is. You know why he wears a fish head? They believed in a merman. 
part man, part fish. That's a little, there's a little fishy there, isn't it? But that's it. They've been doing that. That's, and where did, they, where did they get that from? They got it from right here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They even went back in the Old Testament. The priest and all those things. There were symbols. But these were pictures of the one that was to come. We don't worship a picture. We worship a person. We don't need all these things. We need him. And that's how he reigns. He doesn't. Boy, Peter, there in the garden, he had that sword on. He ain't no fighter. He's a fisherman. He's used to throwing a net out in the lake. When they come to take his Lord, you know, I got to fight. I got I to prove to him I love him. So he takes that sword out, pulls that sword out. He gets ready to hit that man, and he missed his head and caught his ear. And the Lord put that man's ear back on. But what was he doing? He said, put up your sword. He said, do you not know I could call 12 legions of angels and take care of every one of them? You know what he's saying? I don't need your help. The weapons of our warfare in this kingdom are not, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't use carnal things. We're not going to say, we're going to gather next uh, Saturday down here in front of Walmart, and we're going to all get us a sign, and we're going to walk around and pick it, you know. We're going to change the world. We won't, you know, we changed the world standing right here preaching the gospel, and everybody around us don't even know what's going on. If they only, if Jeff, if they only knew, it's without observation. In this little place, just a wood and brick and mortar. God, God dwells in a temple not with made with hands, as He needed anything. Thy kingdom come. Now listen. <clears throat> what does this mean? Listen to this verse, Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes as he brings people into his kingdom. Like I said, that's encouraging. Lord, thy kingdom come. I pray that your kingdom has come in Michigan. I pray your kingdom has come. Gabe has been speaking to a man in Africa, and they've been corresponding. Thy kingdom come. I remember in Kingsport when there was none but probably less than 10 people meeting in a little classroom. Lord, thy kingdom come. He did come establish his kingdom. He rules and he reigns. <clears throat> May our God conquer men by his spirit and by his gospel. May our great king conquer dead sinners. I can't, I can't change anybody. But it is my responsibility to tell you about him. And I know this. I'm as sure this is I'm standing here. If God intends to save you, he's going to conquer you. You're going to take down whatever it is, whether it's your, whatever it is you're rebelling against God with, and you're going to throw it down, and you're going to beg to him for mercy. You're going to be like Mephibosheth. He sent and fetched him and brought him to the king. He said, why in the world would you look on a dead dog like me? He said, you know what? You're going to sit at the king's table. 
And while you sit at the king's table and your legs are stuck up under that table, they're not going to see your old lame legs. We're both of us lame on both of our feet. Not just one, both. We had to be carried. We had to be brought. But we get to sit at the king's table. Why is that? Because David made a covenant with Mephibosheth's daddy. And Jonathan said, swear to me that you'll show mercy to my house. And he did. You know why God saved you? Because he made a covenant with his son before the world was made. He's going to conquer you. He's going to conquer all his people in his time. Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He rules in righteousness, mighty to save. I love that story there. can't remember, I think it's in 1 Samuel. It talks about three, David's three mighty men. One of them, his name was Dodo. And he goes and he takes on the field, and there's a bunch of Philistines there. And there's, there's, there's men that have come with this man to fight this fight. And when he turns around, everybody's gone. Everybody left him. And he's standing there with the sword in his hand. And it said that he fought to his hand clave to the sword. And that word clave is the same word where it says, if a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And it's like his hand and the sword was so congealed together. When he was done, there was nobody left standing. He wanted alone. And what a picture of our Lord. You know, when everybody else came back, just to get the spool. There wouldn't have been no spool if he hadn't won the battle. I love this verse in Acts 26, 18. You could actually use this as a prayer. God opened their eyes, turned them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in you. What a prayer. God, thy kingdom come. Open their eyes that they may see. Lord, they're blind. Turn them, turn them, repent. Enable them to repent from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Let me tell you this. Satan just don't like to turn loose his subjects. Remember the man, his son was possessed and the disciples couldn't cast him out. Before our Lord cast that demon out of that man, you know what that demon did? He threw that man down and began to tear him. We ain't turning him loose. That gathering man, the Lord said, how many are they in there? He said, a legion of us. There's only one can conquer them. They was a bunch of acts. They seen the disciples cast out demons. And they thought, well, they just, they saw them do it. We can do it. They went up to this man and they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, you come out of them. And you know what them demons said? Jesus we know and Paul we know, but we don't know who in the world you are. And they jumped on them. You know what, I'm, what am I saying? 
This is serious. Only God can conquer. He's just not going, men are taken captive by Satan at his will. God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. <clears throat> Here's one king that learned something. In just a little bit, Jeff's going to probably read this, Daniel chapter 4. This man thought he was king, and he was king over Babylon. The largest monarch in those days. <clears throat> he walked out there one day. I can see him up on top of his palace. He said, oh, look what all I got. Oh, this is the because of me. Look what I've conquered. Look what I've established. God said, basically, you're an idiot. I'm going to take your reason from you. And your hair is going to grow out like eagle's feathers. And your fingernails are going to crawl out like, grow out like eagle's claws. And you're going to be an insane man for seven years. And he was. And at the end of seven years, God converted that man and his reason came back. And here's what that, here's what that man said. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And God doth doeth according to his will... His will in the army, in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay God's hand or say unto him, Why do you do things like you do? Can God save a man like that? Well, sure he can. There's no one beyond his reach. He's able to save to the uttermost and to the guttermost. Was it saying, thy will be done? Lord, thy will be done. Not what we want. Lord, what is your will? Lord, what is your will? And when you show us your will, Lord, give us grace to bow to it. Like our Father, I mean like our Lord prayed there in the garden. I can't begin to understand what all this means. He said, not my will. But thine be done. And you know what he did? He bowed to it. And he took that cup, which had all the sins of his people, and he drank it. That was God's will. And he bowed to it. <clears throat> Lord, do whatever pleases you, whatever your will is. Remember when <clears throat> Samuel was in the temple and he was there with Eli and the Lord spoke to Samuel. And he runs to Eli and thinks it's Eli and he finally, Eli said, if he speaks again, you, you say, here am I. Speak, Lord. And you know what the Lord told Samuel? He gave him a message to go tell Eli. And Samuel told him everything that God said and he had nothing from him and he said, and here's what Eli said, it is of the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Now, it might not be what we would call good. It might not be what we want, but that takes grace. Let him do whatever seemeth to him good. You want to know what God's will is? I heard Tim James say this years ago, and it still blesses my heart. Just turn the TV on. Pick up the newspaper. Turn on the radio. That's God's will. 
You know what we pray? Lord, your will be done. Give us, give us grace to bow to it, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it gets. Lord, we bow to your will because you know what's best. It's not about our will. It's about your will. And we ask that God, God's will be done in us as in in others. Lord, enable me to do what is pleasing in your sight. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, that we no longer should live the rest of our time in the, fle- in the flesh to the lust of men, but how are we to live but to the will of God? Thy will be done in earth. Someone said, as we live upon the earth, whatever God's will, for, God's will is for us, that we may bow to it. We see there is God's secret will as he works in providence. We know we see things and we go, I, I can't see any good in it. See, that's how we judge things. But he knows what's best. That's providence. The Lord allows a little girl to be taken captive in a battle one day. And just so happens she, she's forced to serve in, in Naaman's household. And Naaman just happens to be a leper. And the girl says one day, tells that Naaman's wife, you know, there's a prophet in Israel. And if that Naaman would get to that prophet, Lord may heal him. What's providence? The Lord allowing that little girl to be captive. Don't despise the day of small things. That was God's will because it was God's will for him to save Naaman. See, all those things were, that's God's will. It's amazing if we just looked back and just saw everything that happened that had to happen for us to be right here this morning. I know this much. It is God's will for every one of us that's supposed to be here. They are here this morning. And I pray that I'm speaking the Lord's will. We just, we just happen to be going through Matthew 6 and just happen to be dealing with verse 10. And we have his revealed will, the salvation of his people by the king. John Gill said, The will of God may be said to be done by us when our wills are resigned to his, when we, are patiently, when we patiently submit to ever adverse dispensation of providence, when our hearts and actions are in some measure conformed to his law, when what is done is done in faith and with a view to his glory. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How is it done in heaven? His angels are messengers. <clears throat> I can see him tell the angels, said, you need to go tell, you need to go tell Lazarus, he's going to have a son. You need to go tell Mary, she's going to have a son. You need to go tell Joseph, they're going to have a son. The angels came to the shepherds and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. They serve our God. They serve him day and night. They serve him by their devotion and obedience. In In heaven, the angels do God's will with great zeal, with great diligence, 
with great delight and with perseverance. We don't know, you know. You was asking me about angels and those things. These things, a lot of things we don't know. But can, if we could have just saw, Elisha saw that servant was afraid. And he said all he could see was the army, the enemy gathered around him. And Elisha, he's not a bit afraid. He said, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And all around them were chariots of fire. And you know what Elisha said? They's more of us than they are them. They's had to do his will, and all God would have had to done was to thought it. All he has to do is think it. He killed 185,000 men with one angel. They do his will. Willingly, lovingly, God enabled us to do that will, obey his will that way. <clears throat> I'll share this with you. Some see in these verses, these we've looked over the last two weeks, the mystery of the Trinity. The first being, it's addressed to the Father. He is the source of all holiness. If you could describe God in one word, what would it be? Holy. Holy. The second one. The second one is the Son who establishes the kingdom of God upon earth. He came, he served the Father's will, he walked upon this earth for 33, 33 and a half years. He gave his life upon the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended back to the Father. And he said, if I don't go to the Father, the Holy Spirit's not coming. Why? The Holy Spirit has to come. And to establish his earth, I mean his kingdom upon this earth. That's the third one. The Holy Spirit works in men to will and to perform his will. That's what we're doing looking at in the book of Acts on Wednesday night. God established his kingdom. We know at one time in this, I'm telling how many thousands there are. A great number of the priests, 8,000, 5,000 one time, 3,000. What's God doing? His spirit's ruling. Now, they're all God. They're no less equal God. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God convicts. The Spirit of God quickens. And the Spirit of God sets free. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How do we know the will and mind of God? We are led of the Spirit. We have an unction from the Holy One and know all things. Why are we not deceived? He says that they're going to come do miracles. They would deceive the very elect but they won't deceive the very elect. Something else. There's faith, hope, and love. Faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Hope. The kingdom come for this grace has for its objects good things to come. Thy kingdom come. Wouldn't it be a blessing if he ruled? I know he rules, but you know, literally if conquered all men everybody loved like they were supposed to everybody loved everybody loved their neighbor as themselves but men in their kingdoms they want to rule but God has his church and he uses them to conquer his enemies then lastly love 
thy will be done. For love is the incentive, incentive and the principle of all obedience unto God. Why do we obey him? Because we love him. I loved, I'd like to do that. Our Lord said, I'd like to do thy will of God. And what did I do? He made me willing. And I'd like to look to him. I'd like to believe in him and trust him. I don't trust him like I should, but I'd like to. Why? He should have brought his love in my heart. And most people don't love him, but God's people do. Because we love him, we say, thy will be done. Whatever you want. <laughs> Whatever you want. It's fine with us. And that could be hard. But we bow to it. I hope that's a help. Lord willing, we'll...